Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this late night episode of the show about the show, episode 21. So earlier today, episode 20, I had the director of the 1993 hit movie The Sandlot, David Mickey Evans, on. And he was just fantastic and amazing to talk to. So if you don't subscribe to this podcast, please do so. You can listen to it on the um, on blogtalkradio.com. Otherwise, the best way to do that otherwise is on iTunes. Just do a search for the show about the show. You can also find me on Twitter at Devlin underscore Clark 84. That's D-E-V-L-I-N underscore Clark 84. I am very pleased with this episode. We are going to have on a 40-plus year baseball man, former Houston Astro and Cincinnati Reds TV play-by-play broadcaster Bill Brown is going to join me. Bill was a... TV man for the Reds from 1976 to 1982, and he was with the Houston Astros from 1987 until the 2016 season. He retired after that year. So he did unfortunately miss the World Series season. He did call a few games last year, but we are going to talk about his many years behind the mic, being um, kind of playing the straight man so forth. As, it, as it's known to the comic styles of Jim Deshays. And also, we are going to talk about some stories from the game of baseball. Bill has some, just some outstanding stories that he is going to share with all of us. So that'll be really, really exciting. Again, Bill Brown is our guest. I'm just waiting for him to... Uh, get here. He he had a uh, family thing to do this evening. So uh, this podcast is is gonna be going in different directions. It's it's a lot of fun to do this podcast. I don't always just want to have former players on. One of the things about the podcast that I try to do is to try and make it as diverse as possible. I do everything I can to to not just have former players on. I try to have prospects on. I have I try to have, you know, spouses on, former front office people on, scouts on, people even outside the game, you know, like David Michael, David Mickey Evans earlier today. He was he had nothing to do with baseball other than directing a baseball movie that became a let that became a call classic. So Anything related to not just the game of baseball, but kind of baseball on the whole, is is something that I'm interested in. So if you if you have any ideas, or if you have any thoughts on what you would like to see, um, please please let me know. You can tweet that at me, and it's Devlin under slash Clark eighty four, or you can search for me do Ultimate Twins fan. So story story today that I am seeing on MLB.com, I'm sorry, not MLB.com, on ESPN.com relating to baseball is that Aaron Judge has decided that he is no longer going to do the home run derby. A lot of uh, a lot of fans are 
maybe I don't want to say upset by that, but I think I think a lot of fans were were kind of hoping that you know one of the more popular players in the game was gonna was gonna defend his title because he did win it last year. The thing about that though is that if you have the same guys in it every year, the thing about the home run derby is it's really really exciting. It's better. It's one of the better skills contests that any of the all-star games have. And I personally am one of those people that I think the the baseball all-star weekend, the MLB all-star weekend, is by far the best weekend that we have. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. You have the celebrity softball game. You have the home run derby. There's so many other things that that the ML that MLB does that other sports don't. I mean, the NFL, the Pro Bowl. You know, you don't really you have the skills competition, but you know, I don't think a lot of people actually watch the skills competition. I would say the NBA is probably second behind Major League Baseball in in what they have to offer for an all-star weekend in terms of festivities i think the the slime dunk contest is still is still really entertaining and it's again because of people in the past who have wanted you know guys like michael jordan and dominique wilkins and spud webb and and guys like that vince carter who have made it popular and the thing about it is that's one of the things that baseball has going for it is the home run derby is unique. And when you, when you get the same guys going every year and winning it every year, there's that fun element of it of, yes, you know, we want to see how long they can win it, but it's also kind of like, okay, you want some parody, you know, you want, you want other other players to to enter it and to win it. That's the beautiful thing about baseball. Baseball, more than any other sport, has has parity. It's it's got more competitive teams over the last twenty years than any other sport. I want to say every team in Major League Baseball in the last twenty years has made the playoffs. I don't know when you can if you can say that about any other sport. Um, and if it's not every team, it's pretty close. But baseball, the, th- the thing about that is you also get teams like the Yankees. Now, the Yankees, obviously, they're very, very easy to hate because everybody thinks that, oh, they're big time, they're New York, you know, they're – they're the evil empire, et cetera. They're easy to hate. They buy championships. That may be the case. The way for baseball to solve that, institute institute a salary cap. Baseball's not going to do that, and I don't think the Yankees are going to – I don't think the Yankees would ever go along with that. So the, the evil – the Yankees, you know, they have Stanton and Judge this year. I think Stanton's going to enter the home run derby again, and it'll be nice to have him on the American League side. But I also don't want him to win just for that specific reason. I, I, I personally don't like the Yankees, I'm not, but I think they're good for baseball. I think it's good to have – a team that all of America can kind of root against. I'm not going to say hate, but 
I think it's good that that they can that America can kind of come together, or fans in baseball cities can come together and dislike one team. And I think I think a lot of people on the Yankees probably like they probably like that. They probably like knowing that that they are um, that they're you know quote unquote the evil empire. It also makes me it also makes me appreciate the Red Sox Yankees rivalry because as good as the Yankees are, the Red Sox are even better. Um, you know, the Red Sox are are one of those teams that they're always right there. It's it's the Red Sox and the Yankees are one A and one B. And if the Yankees go out and make a move, the Red Sox go make a move. If the if the if the Red Sox make a move, the Yankees make a counter move. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I really didn't think that the the Red Sox made a big huge move this year in terms of competing with the Yankees getting Gene Carlo Stanton or I guess last year. Um but you know that that may not that doesn't mean that they're not going to win. I think the I think you know if David Price is healthy, you're going to take David Price and Chris Sale over the top two Yankee starters, even if it's Tanaka and Severino or whoever it may be. So, but that's those those games are going to be very 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 high scoring games. There's not going to be a whole lot of one nothing games in the Yankees or Red Sox and. I don't think anybody wants there to be. I think it's good for baseball when the best rivalry in the game is high scoring. I mean, it would be it would be nice if, you know, you have a pitcher's duel between Tanaka and Chris Sale and that's one nothing. But when you're in the seventh when you're in the sixth inning and it's, you know, seven six or five or six five or whatever the case may be and you know it's going to be at least another hour and a half before the game's over the way the game's been going so far you know it it, it can be it can be a little long so but it's good for baseball i i personally am one of those people that when you think about the pace of play i don't think baseball needs to be shortened i'm somebody who loves baseball so much that i actually wish the games were longer and I know some of the some of the West Coast games are really really long, and I know that sometimes it takes a long time to to get to get the games done, and they don't get done until past midnight, and sometimes one o'clock on the East Coast. But that doesn't mean you go change the game for everybody. I mean, just because you have East Coast and West Coast teams doesn't mean you change the game for everybody. Baseball baseball is always kind of always kind of led by example, I feel like, and a lot of times other than ever since ever since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, after that it's really led by kind of led by uh led by it's it's one of those things that the pace of play in baseball doesn't need to to change. They don't need to put pitch clocks in there because then pitchers are going to blame the pitch clocks for making them speed up their momentum. They're going to get upset because they had to rush and they made a bad pitch and a guy creamed it 420 feet and they lost the game, whatever the case may be. And, 
Yeah, having pitching clocks in the in the minors is fine, but then if you don't institute it in the majors throughout all of baseball, you're training guys to you're training guys to to play the game one way when in fact it's being played a totally different way, a completely and utterly different way, in fact. So it's interesting. It's it's an interesting debate. I'm uh, I personally, like I said, I personally don't have a problem with the pace of play. Do I think batters need to step out of the box every few minutes? No. Do I think they need to, you know, like somebody like Nomar Garcia Parra, you know, he had all of his hand motions and his adjusting the batting gloves and all that kind of stuff. Okay, that I can kind of see a little bit where it might be a problem, but everything else. No, I don't. I don't really. I don't really see see a problem for that. It's it's one of those things that that you just have to you just kind of have to deal with, and it's one of those things that. I mean, the okay. So limiting the mound visits by the pitching coaches. That's not what takes a lot of time, in my opinion. What takes a lot of time, in my opinion, is some of the in-between stuff. Not not stuff in the batter's box, but it's, you know, I don't know. It just It just doesn't seem like baseball has a pace of play problem, in my opinion. And maybe it's just because I love baseball so much that I don't want less baseball. I want more baseball. So that could be it, but who knows? That's just my thoughts on it. I am still waiting for Bill. He is running a bit late. He did have some family obligations, so I'll give him another five minutes or so here, and then we might have to end this episode early and reschedule with Bill, which would not be a problem at all. We can totally do that. But just kind of uh, just kind of wondering what everybody's thoughts are on it, and uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things that. You know, you really don't want to. You really don't want to change the game unless you absolutely have to. And I don't think baseball has to change it. I think they want to change it, but I don't think they have to. And I think that's the difference. Is uh, you know, they don't have to change it, but they are. So. I am going to actually, we're going to end this podcast a little early because I don't think Bill is coming. I think he's probably got caught up in his family issues. So we are going to have to reschedule with Bill. I want to thank everybody for this very much. I've got Bill right here, actually. You know what? He just popped in. He just popped in, and uh, we are going to go and touch base with Bill. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, and I apologize profusely. I forgot, and my wife and I were out for a birthday dinner, and it just took a little bit longer. <laughs> Sorry. Not a problem. Not a problem. So I, I was just kind of – I just was kind of um, talking a little bit about the the pace of play issue in baseball. How do you feel about the pace of play? Um, I, you know, the, the comments that I'm hearing from people are very much questioning 
the need for these new rules, I was coming at it from the angle that I, I felt something needs to to be addressed. But, you know, funny thing is now we're hearing from younger people that they think the pace of play is fine when I thought they felt it was far too slow. So far be it for me to have my finger on the pulse of <laughs> what what fans want. But, and no, I, I think, you know, in view of the statistics that have been presented about the number of mound visits during the World Series, um, something needs to be done. I, I think there's too much inactivity in the game right now. And I think it's worth a try. And, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, well, gee, if it only cuts off three minutes, why bother? Well, I think something needs to be done because uh, the game times keep increasing uh, year by year now. Absolutely. So last year was a uh, last year was a pretty big year for the city of Houston, both um, on on the field and off the field. Obviously, you know your city was ravaged by the terrible, terrible flooding, and the Houston community and the Astros rallied around, or the fans rather rallied around the Astros, and they went all the way to the World Series. Talk about talk to me about what that World Series meant, not only to the Astros but to the city of Houston. It was just such a, a perfect circumstance that uh, everything came together because uh, there was such devastation. There still is. We were uh, down at Rockport, uh, which is oh about an hour and a half south of Houston, uh, which is a coastal community, and the devastation there was uh, even more tremendous. And it, it really, a lot of it has not been cleaned up. There was still a lot of stuff piled up by the road in Rockport. Uh, but, you know, after all that happened, and Houston is used to hurricanes and, and major storms, but this one obviously was of a different uh, level entirely. Uh, the season had gone so well for the Astros, but you just sensed, for the month of August, which was an 11 and 17 month, that the players were really down because no major trades had been made there at the trade deadline at the end of July. And then uh, for the Verlander trade to be made, and, and, you know, it picked up the spirits of the players. The players were anxious to help in the community, which they did. And so September was uh, something that provided a totally different direction for this team. And then it carried on over into the postseason. But, you know, the fact that the Astros had tried to make a trade um, there at the trade deadline, a couple of deals fell through uh, in the final hours uh, proved to be lucky because then they, they had the money to spend on a Verlander when that opportunity came along at the end of August and, you know, went down to the sure. final two seconds before that uh, was approved by Major League Baseball and just beating the deadline for postseason play for Verlander. Um, I, I think this city was just so galvanized by all of these things coming together. The fans were just uh, more enthusiastic, more voracious for this team than I had ever seen before. And I wasn't here in, in 1980 or 1986. They were great then too. But But this was something else. This was more like a personal – situation with the fans you know just getting behind this team and people were able to forget all their personal problems and issues from the flooding and what have you and it was just a a perfect way for everything to come together for this team absolutely yeah and you you mentioned the verlander train kind of kind of shifting and changing the landscape of that team 
it it certainly seemed like from a from a baseball point of view that it did too. I mean, you know, being a being a Twins fan and a fellow you know American League follower, that really kind of you know that trade getting him out of our division and having him go to the Astros was like whoa, you know that that it's like the the rich get richer. And then this off season, of course, you know, you guys go ahead and trade for Garrett Cole. Give me, I, I know you're retired, but give me some of your thoughts on the, uh, give me some of your thoughts on both the Garrett Cole trade and where the Astros are right now because they look really good. They do look very good, and I, I think the Cole trade was, um, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word steal. Um, I really like Joe Musgrove. I, I think he played uh, an important late-inning role in the bullpen, but he's going to be starting for Pittsburgh, I believe, this year. And he also started for Houston last year, earlier in the season. Uh, I think uh, the Pirates have gotten a good one in Cole. I think they've gotten a very good young catcher in the trade, Jake Rogers, who who will be good down the line, probably not ready for major league play quite yet. Um, it's hard to get a read on Michael Feliz. Um, He had a lot of personal problems last year. Hard thrower. Don't know if he's going to put it all together or not. Um, So I think the Pirates will benefit for years to come with the players they got. But for the Astros, this was such a big acquisition. To get a pitcher who's been a number one starter, who was a number one overall pick in Garrett Cole, who's been a 19-game winner, um, and he gives them something that I think will help them become even better, maybe not better than 101 wins, but I think a better pitching staff than they had last year. Yeah, and like you said, too, you know, it, it, it's hard to improve on a 101-win team, but it certainly seems like the Astros went out and did that. Right now, going into the season, given the fact that you know, they made the coal trade and, and the, you know, the Astros, or not the Astros, I'm sorry, the Angels got substantially better with some of their pickups. Um, and, you know, you always have the AL East. Are, do you still consider the Astros the favorite in the American League? I do, but I think the Angels uh, could be the most improved team in baseball right now. And uh, Otani will have a lot to do with what happens with this club because a lot of their plan is built around him, and it's you know it's it's very intriguing as a fan to speculate how things might come together or might not come together for him. But I did watch him pitch a little bit uh, in an exhibition game on TV from um, the Cactus League, and and his stuff looks electric to me. Don't know how he's going to be as a hitter, obviously, but I think as a pitcher, he will be very very tough to beat. And then the question becomes the health of their overall rotation around him but um i i think they've improved their club quite a bit uh getting zach cozart to play third base getting ian kinsler to play second and uh they they have a terrific outfield right now so i i think the angels are really a team to watch in the al west but i still think the astros have to be the pick to win the division do you think they're the pick to win the american league I would say they are, um, and I think the Yankees are going to be very strong as well. I believe Boston will have a good team. Um, And, you know, you saw it last year. The the playoffs are are such a totally different animal, Um, and the Astros were able to grab that momentum very quickly in their series against Boston and carry it on through. But the Yankees had them down in the ALCS, and um, the Verlander's game six was obviously a very big one 
for this team. And then game seven, they were able to, to finish out the deal with uh, Morton and McCullers. But I, I think it's going to be a real battle with the Astros and the Yankees in the American League. That's the way it shapes up. I think the Yankees probably could use another starting pitcher at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bill, we've got about five minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about you. You were a commentator or you were a TV broadcaster for the Astros from 1987 to 2016. Tell me what it was like working with uh, Jim DeCay. Oh, it was a joy to come to the ballpark every day. Uh, his sense of humor is something that's hard to find. I don't think there's another broadcaster with his sense of humor. And I, I think he's uh, very humble. Um, he was a good pitcher, but it's never about him. He doesn't talk about what he did, but he, he really, I think, analyzes what people are seeing on their TV sets. And he does it in such a way that he's insightful. He knows the game. He knows what the shortstop is supposed to be doing, what the right fielder is supposed to be doing in addition to the pitchers. But um, also just presents the game in such a way that it's not life and death. Um, he doesn't try to, to be a salesman and uh, try to make something out to be what it's not. So I think he's just a perfect partner to have. You, you've been around the game in some capacity, mostly on the television side of it, since roughly 1976 or so. What's the best game you've ever seen pitched or played? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Matt Cain pitched a perfect game against the Astros uh, in San Francisco years ago, and, and that was one of them. Um, I missed the Mike Scott no-hitter here, saw the Daryl Kyle no-hitter. Uh, Mike Fires pitched no-hitter, which was different. That, that was a 134-pitch game, so it wasn't really, you know, the the uh, the totally, totally dominant type of no-hitter. Sure. Um, I saw, you know, Tom Seaver pitched a no-hitter when I was in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, I, I, I just can't really put my finger on one standout game uh, because, of, you know, I didn't do a Colfax game or anything of that uh, magnitude. Sure. But, um, but, you know, there there have been a number of them. Now, we ta- we touched on it earlier. We got about three minutes left. We, we touched on it earlier. You talked about the Justin Verlander trade changing the landscape of that team. When that trade was made, the, tr- the trade that it made me think of was the Randy Johnson trade in 1999 from from Seattle over to Houston, and, and that team, and that kind of catapulted that team too. Can you talk about what getting Randy Johnson that year did for that team? Yeah, and that's a good comparison on your part. I, I think they're very similar. Uh, Randy was 10-1. and one. His ERA was something like 1.28 with the Astros. Just an incredible, incredible pitcher. And yet, um, you know, Justin wasn't quite that good in terms of ERA. He was 5-0 and oh in the regular season and then 4-1 in the postseason. Um, but what he did that Randy didn't do was win it all. And, and Randy pitched well in the playoffs, and the Astros lost that series in 98 to San Diego in the playoffs. But, but quite frankly, even though Randy pitched well, he was outpitched. Kevin Brown was amazing, and Sterling Hitchcock had an incredible game for the Padres. And Verlander took it upon himself um, to lead this team. And Randy, too, but, but with Justin, there was just this – it was the same sense – that when Randy came here, hey, we don't need this guy to win the division title. 
We don't need him to get into the playoffs, but we need him to win it all. Difference being, Randy wasn't able to do that. Justin was able to do that. Yeah, and, and it really seemed like like in both of those cases, it really kind of changed the way the players felt about about the team. You mentioned it, it kind of, you know, the Verlander trade, especially given what had happened with the flooding and stuff and they weren't playing very well, had kind of shifted it into into high gear and the players kind of kind of, you know, change their change their view on like okay you know now let's go out and get it whereas you know with the with the randy johnson trade obviously they knew they knew that the uh podways were really good so mm-hmm. we've got mm-hmm. about uh, and, you know you have, go ahead, go ahead. no go ahead i was just going to say that um the players do sense this they do expect this kind of a trade even when they're so far ahead in their division because they know they know what it takes to win a World Series, and, and I think, you know, without coming out and saying anything about the rotation before Verlander, they realized they needed somebody of Verlander's quality to win it all, and they were right. And and so that's why they were so elated when he walked in. And I, I did a little book after the season was over about everything involving this, this playoff run and the hurricane and everything like that, and uh, I, I likened it to uh, the old John Wayne movies. When John Wayne walks through the saloon doors, everything stops. And that's the way it was when Verlander walked in. Everything stopped because this guy has such presence. And you saw it in the postseason. Absolutely. Bill, we got about 20 seconds left. I cannot thank you enough for coming on and giving me part of your time this evening. I know that I know you had some family stuff, and I appreciate you taking, taking time out of your night to, uh, to talk some Astros and baseball with me. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry for being late, my friend. <laughs> I'll try to make it up to you some. Not a problem at all. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was former Houston Astro and Cincinnati Reds TV broadcaster Bill Brown. You re- it, it's really interesting to always hear the, the perspective that that – you know, broadcasters have because they're around the team, they're on the plane, they're in the locker room, they're they're there for batting practice and all that kind of stuff. So it really gives an interesting, interesting look into into kind of the psyche of the team. And Bill was able to kind of do that for us during this interview. He was able to kind of let us know that the Justin Verlander trade really, really kind of changed that landscape for the Astros last year and really propelled them to to the AL pennant and then eventually on to the world series. So I will be taking a couple of days off from podcasting. My next podcast will probably be next Wednesday and Thursday. Otherwise I might uh, put an episode out this weekend if I get some time, but otherwise we will catch you down the road in podcast land. Thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes Follow me on Twitter at Devlin underscore Clark 84. I'm always looking for great ideas and guests for the podcast. So if you know of anyone, let me know. Thank you guys as always for listening. I appreciate it. Take care. We'll see you in podcast land.